Welcome back to Spartan Up the Podcast. Today we are talking to Neely Fortune, who I will get to in a second. But first, I have Chris Irving, true legend on my left. I'm Sephra. I hope I'm a legend. We have Colonel Mai. <laughs> Old enough to be a legend. Definitely a legend. <laughs> Johnny Waite. We all know that he is. Marion, the empress of legendariness. Okay, so we will go back to Neely Fortune, who she was Miss Vermont. And in the Miss America pageant. Miss USA pageant. Miss USA. Thank you. Sorry. (laughs) And um, also a death race finisher. And she's just a really brilliant, sweet, awesome, well-rounded human being. And just race-directed the Pasagogi. And uh, has a lot of really awesome, applicable things to say. Great to see strong women, like, beautiful in every way. And... I'd also just like to mention that Neely does a lot of work um, with people with PTSD, and she's drawn on some of her own struggles in the past and raised a lot of money for um, uh, different organizations uh, helping with that. So uh, she'll she'll share some of that. Yeah, Uh, so what's our charity this week, Chris? Our charity this week is Team Red, White, and Blue. Uh, Team Red, White, and Blue connects veterans to their communities through athletic and social endeavors. Uh, Check them out at (laughs) teamrwb.org. Welcome to Spartan Up Podcast. We are here at Riverside Farm in Pittsfield, Vermont, and I'm with Neely Fortune. Neely, you're very well-known in Vermont as? I was Miss Vermont USA 2016. And you're also well-known at the Riverside Farm because you've been here for a number of races and agogies, and and a lot of people would think that's a a contrast, Mm -hmm. you know, Miss Vermont USA versus uh, death racing, for example. Um, How's that square with you? You know, that that contrast was actually kind of the point. That was kind of the intention. And there were both passions of mine that I uh, kind of combined to to create this conflicting, you know, message that I wanted to bring to people. And pageantry was something I started in college. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't do it since I was a little kid. A lot of people ask me that. I started in college when I was... uh, Dealing with a lot of anxiety, I had some dark turns in my life that I was trying to sort through, and um, I was actually giving a lot of presentations in college, and I was finding that I was a terrible public speaker, and so I was looking for something to challenge that, and I was actually looking for some stand-up comedy type things, and I happened upon the pageantry, and I thought, you know, this would be really fun, this would be a really good way to to challenge myself and push myself out of my comfort zone, and... uh, it, it worked, and I took to it, and I loved it. And uh, the racing was kind of the same thing. It was something I always wanted to do, and I, I challenged myself to it, and I turned out to be really good at it. That's amazing. So, so with it being a challenge, I mean, obviously we take things on to stretch ourselves. Sometimes we come up against a wall where we get stopped. Um, did you have any experiences with that, with the pageantry or with the, um, with the racing where it just, where you, you really came up against uh, your limits? Um, yeah, I mean... Definitely. Some probably specific moments were uh, the second year I was actually competing for Miss Vermont USA. I was first runner-up, which means I, I basically got second place. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was tough. I, I really didn't think I was going to continue anymore. I thought I was robbed. I thought it was unfair. And, and I, I kind of realized that, you know, life's not fair. And it was different. If it had been different judges, if it had been different situation a different day of the week maybe it would have been different mm-hmm. a different result maybe I would have won maybe I wouldn't have even been in the top five and I kind of really took that to heart as you know there are some things in life you can you can control and there are some things in life you you can't control and um you just have to to trust yourself and, and go with what with what 
you're given. And how do you come back from that? So you've uh, you've been you know rejected. You 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 weren't chosen as first, and it you know everything you've worked for. How do you come back the next year? How do you not just pack it in and carry on? I think it it comes down to to being confident in yourself and and not letting things like that define you, not letting those failures tell you that you are a failure. You know, failing at something doesn't mean that you are a failure. And I I took it as a learning experience more than anything, learned what I could improve on, and and I brought it back the next year. And I kind of decided that if I won the year that I actually didn't end up winning, if if I won or if I didn't win, it, it was the experience that I wanted. It wasn't necessarily the crown. And, and going into it, I had to remember that I never in a million years thought I was going to win. I just wanted to find some confidence in myself. Yeah, which you did, which is fantastic. Which I, I did, yes. Yeah. So now let's uh, shift to the racing. So mm-hmm. how did you get started with um, endurance racing? Um, it, was, it was actually really just random out of the blue. Um, I had a friend that was in the racing world and he kind of introduced me to, to Spartan, and I did the Spartan Sprint at City Field in 2014, mm-hmm. 2015, 2015. That was my first race ever when I was 21, 22, and um, I loved it. I took to it immediately, and I took to it immediately, and, and I just wanted longer races. I wanted harder races, and I really went from the City Field Sprint to the Killington Beast, to the to the death race within six months. What is that? Seven months of each other. Yeah. And it went up, that's when I met you, and it went up from there. So your first death race. So all of a sudden, again, you've taken on something bigger than you ever thought you'd be taking on, mm-hmm. quicker than you ever thought you'd be taking on, very similar to the pageantry. Mm-hmm. And now you're... Uh, when, which one was that? I'm trying to remember. I... Uh, Staffed winter, yep. and then I went to Mexico. Okay, so you're down there in Mexico. I remember the finish of that. You, you were, it was brutal, and it was you know right down to the wire. A matter of minutes, that you had to finish those last couple of challenges. Um, were there any moments there where you thought, "What have I done? Why am I here? This is ridiculous." Yeah. Oh my gosh, a ton of them, and um, that was really what I I wanted. I I wanted that moment. I, I was searching for a moment when. I was going to doubt myself. And I knew that all the staff was going to be telling me I couldn't do it and doubting me, but I wanted the moment when I was going to doubt myself because I wanted that moment to pull myself out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the first one was actually, we were on a volcano Mm -hmm. in Mexico, and it was 2 in the morning, and I got lost. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. (laughs) Yeah, you got really lost. I got really lost. and, um, And I started to panic. I was terrified. Um, I kept forgetting to drink and eat because I was so panicked. I was in a panic state. Um, right, and you had also gone from sea level at home mm-hmm. to flying oh, out yeah. of Mexico City. We didn't give you any time to acclimate. We put you in a bus and drove you straight to 12,000 feet. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that would have been very disorienting. Yeah. And I remember I definitely hit a moment there of where I wasn't doubting myself necessarily, um, you know, when you, you hit the wall and when you're tired. This was, I'm, what have I done? I'm lost, it's two in the morning, I'm on a volcano kind of thing. And I had actually, on the way down, been reading a book called Wild. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people, Cheryl Strayed is, yep. by, is yep. who it's by. And there's a point in it when um, main character 
gets scared when she's out in the woods, and she just screams, I'm not afraid. And I just read that part in the book, and I remember trying to find the flags to get back on course, and like looking on the ground, trying to find people's footprints, and I was like seeing dots and stuff, and I was lost, and I just took a second, calmed myself, and I screamed, I am not afraid, into the Mexico volcano wilderness. And I kind of got my wits about me, and and that really was a moment for me where um, I I pulled myself out of it. I pulled myself out of that self-doubt that I'm lost, that I can't do this, I can't do this, that I've, I've ruined this experience, when that really was the experience. So how do you find those things show up in your day-to-day life? So, you know, in the pageantry, you've uh, uh, gotten to be runner-up and had to deal with that. You know, what is actually truly a success to be the first runner-up, but in that moment, it's a failure to Uh you. You then bounce back from that, come back the next year to be stranded uh, by an irresponsible race director on the side of a volcano in Mexico screaming, I am not afraid. You know, these are pretty huge pivotal moments in life. How does that show up day-to-day for you now? Like when you're out in, in, you know, your world now... How do those moments um, help you? What has been what has been the most helpful helpful for me, and I think it's important that um, people know that going into all of these challenging challenging experiences that I put myself into, uh, I was kind of dealing with some some dark turns in my life, like I had mentioned earlier that I dealt with in college, and um, I was I was really dealing with the repercussions of that. So. Um, the the strength that I gained from these experiences, that being lost in a, at a, on a volcano in Mexico and getting myself out of that situation just by my own accord, I was alone in that situation and, and I had, had gotten myself out of it, that really transcends that experience into when I'm facing a difficult situation, when I'm facing anxiety or doubting myself in my everyday life, I can, I can draw upon the experiences that I've had in race, race situations or in, in pageantry and, and know that if I can find my way back to the group in Mexico, if, if I can push myself through multiple days of taxing you know, activity, then, then I can get through a panic attack or I can get through, on a lighter note, you know, being in debt or I can, I can figure that out. I'm I'm smarter than I think I am when it comes to those situations, and I think that's important to know. You know what, Neil, there's a really important question I want to ask you when we come back from the break. Mm -hmm. We are going to go to break, and uh, hold that thought. I hope you're not sitting still while you listen. If you are, you better get a burpee break in. Hey, listen, next week we've got a great interview, Travis Roy. This was a young man who was a promising hockey player who unfortunately was injured himself paraplegic, went from a promising hockey player to a paraplegic in 11 seconds. And his story of rebirth, rebounding, is really going to hit you hard. It's really, it's really impactful, and it's really an amazing story, and I know you're going to want to hear it. Johnny, tell them where they can listen. Yeah, to make sure that you hear it, make sure that you subscribe, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on iTunes. Hit subscribe. That makes sure that we are ranked so that other people find out about the podcast, and you can share it with your friends, your family. Join our mission. Get people off the couch. Let's change some lives. All right, we're back. Um, I'd mentioned there's a question I wanted to ask you. And you talked about um, you know, some anxiety and some dark times and things like that. And I know that you've, uh, it's been important to you in your racing to raise money and awareness for PTSD. So tell me um, how that came about and what you're trying to accomplish with that. Yeah, so I uh, kind of took the, the pageantry and the racing and put it together with um, 
making my my racing into charity work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would often, I, I would always run in my sash, which mm-hmm. would always get a lot of attention, questions, people would talk to me. And then once they would start talking to me, I'd talk about PTSD um, awareness, mostly, and uh, anxiety, depression, that kind of thing. And I, I did a lot of work with the PTSD Resource Center of Vermont. I wanted to keep it local. Vermont didn't really have a lot of uh, resources for mental health um, involving PTSD. So it was, it was more than just fundraising. I did do fundraising. It was really you know grassroots people, person-to-person interaction, just raising awareness. And for me, racing was really a, a way, a therapeutic, mm-hmm. therapeutic way to help me deal with things, to show myself that I was strong, I, I wasn't weak, I was strong enough to overcome things like that. And uh, I feel like I really encourage a lot of people to be active, to get into something like racing or, or something similar to, to, help, to help deal with those things. And it occurred to me that um, you know, we're using the acronym PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. And, um, and obviously a big part of that is that it's post, right? Mm-hmm. The idea that, 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 that there is still something, there is a future. And, um, and so I actually want to ask you about, about your future, too, the idea that, you know, you've um, you found such a healthy, productive way to deal with, with your own um, stresses and challenges and things like that. And uh, so, so what are you doing now, and what, uh, what's in the future for you? So uh, right now, I am, I'm actually going to be the, the race director for Summer Agogi. Fantastic. Um, oh, oh. Five, I believe. Yeah. And have you been involved with all the agogis? I know that you were you were a participant in the first one. No, no, no. Nope. You were I've, a director right from the start. I've right. been uh, I've been staff right from the That's start. Right. The only one I haven't been in in was the one in China. Mm-hmm. So agogi, I think what we really really want to uh, promote about it is that it's about leadership. It's about um, leadership in the outdoors. You're going to be learning a lot of things. It's going to be really educational. Uh, it's not going to be, you know, cracking the whip behind you, yelling at you. We want to be there to encourage you. It's obviously it's going to be hard. People need to show up knowing that it's going to be really difficult. Mm. But uh, we really want it to be a learning experience and to have that, you know, that transcendence into your life, that that overcoming something really difficult while also taking away something valuable in the in the form of survival skills in the outdoors or just outdoor educational skills that you can take back with you and then uh, use that to enhance your life. Joe and I used to talk a lot about um, how the death race, the idea was really see what people are capable of when you're trying to stop them, when you're throwing every possible reason to quit and every barrier you can and that only the toughest get through. And what I love about what you're doing with Agogi is it's kind of the flip side, which is let's see what people are capable of if they're actually supported and allowed to work together. And, um, and what we're finding is that a lot of people are going a lot further than, than they could in the other scenario. So I, I love the idea that it's not just about toughness and the ability to grind through, but also when we do lift each other up, how far we can all go. Right. And I, I love that group mentality and that, that really we try to encourage in, in the first part of the event, the, the cryptea really act as the leaders of, you're usually broke up, broken up into groups because it's a large, large group size. So the, the cryptaeas really act as the leaders. And what we want is to eventually have people with the participants stand out as leaders. Mm-hmm. And, and part of being, I mean, being a good follower is just as important as being a good leader. So we want to see that teamwork build throughout the event. And it's a 60-hour event. So we, we definitely see there's this bell curve. 
Um, it's, and it's, it's really interesting along the lines of how many people succeed when you're telling them they can't succeed. Because when you are telling them they can't succeed, then they, they're really faced with themselves. And what we see a lot is people would make excuses, like, I, I quit the death race because they, it was unfair. Mm-hmm. Whereas if people drop out of a gogi, it, it's really, a lot of times it's mental, it's them. And it's they're making that conscious decision. They're, they're making that conscious decision to, to continue rather than saying that the staff made that decision for them. And, and I want to ask one more question, too, in terms of with the racing, um, you're really giving back. I mean, you, you gained a lot from the racing, and now you're involved making sure that you create opportunities for other people, too. Are you still involved with the pageant world at all? Um, not particularly. I think uh, that, that I, I took what I needed from it, and um, a lot of the pageantry was an uh, avenue for me to do community service and fundraising and to really have a voice that people would pay attention to. You know, when you 25-year-old woman puts a crown on her head, people <laughs> are usually like, let's ask her about that. Yeah. Um, so it really served the purposes in, in that way, and uh, along with, you know, really enhancing my interview skills and my confidence and, and just all things that I have taken into my personal life and um, as well as my career life. Cool. So what's, what's a message you'd like to leave with everyone in terms of... Uh, uh, from, from everything you've learned, everything you've gained, um, what, what's, what's, what, what does Neely Fortune have to say? I think that sometimes when life presents you with a challenge, um, see that as an opportunity. See that as an opportunity to overcome it. And I can almost guarantee that in overcoming a challenge in your life, you will gain so much more than you could ever imagine. It's a pretty darn good message. Thanks, Neely. <laughs> Thank you. Really appreciate it. It's good to see you again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that one was kind of special for me. I've known Neely for a couple of years. I first met her here at Vermont when she was helping out with the death race. And, uh, you know, just an extraordinary person. And I love how open she is about um, where she's had to to overcome things in her own life and, and build strength. And she said, you know, that even like with the, the, um, the pageantry, it's not like she was good at it. It's not like she did it when she was a little kid. She was actually really bad at it. And she sought that out to become more comfortable with public speaking. And, um, and I think that really ties into our mission about being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And so, uh, yeah, what did you guys take from that? Yeah, I, I would say she's the quintessential Spartan. I mean, she really, I had the same experience. I was here for the first Gogi, the... the um, Zero, zero, zero. Zero, 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 the the beta test, if you will. And I looked over from behind, and there was a young lady on her hands and knees checking checking out people's blisters on her feet and popping blisters and everything else. And she had a T-shirt on from the back, said, Miss Vermont. And, you know, I kind of need her in the back and said, hey, who are you? Where'd you get that shirt? Yeah. And she's like, well, I turned and looked at me and said, I want it. I said, you want it? How'd you do that? You know, she stands up and says, well, I'm Miss Vermont. I'm like, I couldn't put this image. There was this girl who had just come through the woods all night long and was tired and dirty and muddy, mm-hmm. and she's down there popping blisters, and she's Miss Vermont. I mean, yeah. the incongruity of that in my brain was just, you know, mind-blown kind of thing. And, and yet she shares that that's a lot of why she did it, is she wanted to break down that incongruity, the idea that we assume that a beauty pageant winner is this, 
And she's like, no, they can be anything. They can be a soccer player. They can be a badass athlete. They can be a truck driver just because they also happen to be a, you know, a, a beauty pageant person. So I, I think that's, that she would appreciate that, that you said that because that's her whole mission is to try and break down that, that um, uh, divide. You know, I mean, again, she's a beauty pageant winner, but she is... She was talking about, uh, I don't know, we were talking something, a picture, she had a blemish or something, and I was like, oh, my God, it's, you know, it's, you're, you're horrific. Put it away, kind of thing. <laughs> and she, she's confident enough, she's laughing about it, the whole thing, like, oh, please, don't look, you know. And yet, you know, I also saw her down in Orlando with her father at a medical conference where she was dressed professionally and was representing her father's business. So she was in a, a gown in, in the high heels and the hair made up. And again, just a totally transformative, tra- you know, transformational, whatever, for human down there. I mean, but she really is special to be able to kind of walk in those kind of two worlds. Uh, and, and Chris, you know, you know her as well. I know her fairly well. Yeah. Um, what I love about her is that, so she's a beauty pageant winner, but she doesn't let that define her, right? right? So she's out there running ultra marathons. She's getting beat up at races. She's basically doing everything that she wants to do. And even the getting into, like you had mentioned, getting into the beauty pageants, like she, she wasn't good at it, so she attacked that and went mm-hmm. out there and became great at it. And, and I feel like that's what she does with everything. Zephyr mentioned the agogi, so she was race director of that. She killed it, it one of the best agogis we had. So she's just somebody that's getting out there, getting after it, and, and just doing whatever. Yeah, one of the things that she said in, in the interview... Um, the idea that when she didn't win the first one, she finished second, first runner-up, and she was devastated by it. Until she stopped, you know, a couple weeks later after she sort of licked her wounds and reflected and said, what the hell am I doing? I'd never expected to win in the first place. And then suddenly when it became so important, yeah, yeah. and she said, I came into it for the experience, came in to get better. I did. I had the experience. I got better. And um, and you look at... clearly a competitive fire. In oh, sure, sure, yeah. But but you look at that with um, with these endurance events, too. I mean, most people don't come to win them. There's a few who do. But, I, you know, the, most of them come just to tap into where how far they can go and, and their depths and, and the experience of it. And, and that was a really good lesson in, in anything we do in life. It isn't about if you win or lose, per se. It's about what you take from the experience. Because you can win an event and take nothing from the experience and, and come away no better for it, too. Yeah. Well, she... Um we did, after the first Agogi, they, they made a video, or we made a video, or somebody made the video, and it talks, and it's narrated, and it's her from an interview that she was just given off the top of her head, and yet it, it, it sounds like she's reading a script. She's talking about rising up to the challenge and overcoming and becoming somebody, and it's just her talking, and then they put the, the video, or Marion might have done it, put the video to it, and it, it's just powerful, and it's just her talking, just talking. Uh, and yet it, it, it sounds scripted. She's a, a very, very good speaker. Which I, think, which I think is what makes her like a wonderful mentor. And I think that's a lot of the strength of Spartan is that they do have these females that are able to like dance along the lines of being beautiful inside and out and being strong and being resilient. And like this time she's teaching people, we taught foraging last ago, and she taught this year, you know, people are eating bugs and insects and frogs. And just like that to me is a whole human, a beautiful human. And just like the way she conducts herself and like the sweetness and her composure um, and how much she actually, you know, I thought it was really nice. It's like, she has deep compassion for all the agogi racers. She's like, oh, they're my little butterflies. And like, it's so nice that like, they can be your little butterflies as you're like having them walk on fire and coals and like put them in ponds. And I just, I love that, that multifaceted nature that she brings to it. And, um, She's just a really spectacular yeah. human. I, I, what can we learn from that? 
Go eat some frog legs. Get dirty. And if you're and if you're a young she, girl, no, get out there ahead, and do some ahead, races. Chris. I say she <clears throat> she does a really great job of sharing her story and not, then, not poisonous frogs. Sorry. Not poisonous rocks. Uh, and, and also giving back, right? You were talking yeah. about she's out there. She wants, she's learned all of these lessons through death races, through agogis and all of this, and Humility. she wants to give back. I think that's the key right there. You're asking what you can learn. I think it's for her, it'd it be humble, humility. Um, you know, she could strut around and kind of brag and say, look at me. Um, but she, clearly she doesn't. She, she is into this. Uh, in, into the agogi, into the endurance races, all of that doesn't mind getting muddy rolling around. And also, and and also has found a way to make it about other people and do right, more yeah. for others. And Chris, I want to actually throw to you for a second, just before we close, because you mentioned RWB at the start. Yes. And speaking of um, of doing more for others, we're really trying to take the opportunity with this podcast each episode to highlight a different charity that um, that we'd like people to go learn about and support. So tell us more about RWB. So I had mentioned that RWB connects veterans to their communities, uh, and the way they do that is through athletic and social events. So really what RWB is, does is bring people together, right, whether it's veterans, civilians. I really like the inclusive nature of RWB. So like my girlfriend, she's not a veteran, but she's involved heavily. Uh, so we build these communities, and then there's like – built-in places around the country and even around the world where veterans can come home and just plug right in. There's, there's run groups, there's awesome. climbing groups, there's yoga. There, I mean, we get together for coffee, so all that kind of stuff. Really, it's, it's bringing people together and building communities. And what's, what's the um, website? It's www.teamrwb.org. Awesome. So and check then, that out. Uh, and speaking of websites, yeah. we, want you to, we want you to go to spartan.com slash podcast and subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have a lot of great ones coming up. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for watching another epic story of success. If you like our message, please share Spartan Up with your friends and subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you catch our show, maybe in the woods. Spartan Up is brought to you by Spartan Race. To find a race near you, visit spartan.com. Spartan.com.